Lord, we, um, we just sang a song about submitting to you. Lord, and I thank you that it's good to submit to you because you are good. Lord, and it's good to submit our ways to you because you say that all your ways toward us and for us are good. And so, Lord, as we approach your word this morning, I pray that you would equip and anoint us to speak and to hear, Lord, and to be transformed by your goodness. Lord, would you apply the word to each one exactly where you would have it? Lord, and help us to grow up into those who embody your kingdom and who proclaim your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat, church family. So um, we've been preaching through a series on growing up. If you've been here, you've heard a lot about it. And if you're visiting, we're preaching on growing up into Christ and into maturity, as the Apostle Paul put it in his letter to the Ephesians, to grow up to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And so in this process, we've looked at how we see Jesus Christ himself modeling maturity. We've looked at patience, and we've looked at love, we've looked at humility, and gentleness, and perseverance, discernment, and grace. And this morning, we're looking into prayerfulness. We're looking at what it is to grow up into maturity as people of prayer. Now, I've got to confess that as I was beginning to think about what to speak to you this morning, I thought... What on earth am I supposed to tell Gold Avenue Church about prayer that they have not heard before? We are a body who values prayer. We talk about prayer all the time. Prayer is literally the cornerstone of our approach to ministry. Pretty much all of our ministries are about prayer. We've got noon prayer and pre-service prayer. We've got church prayer partners afterwards. If you'd like prayer, there's your plug. We do prayer walking, we have healing and deliverance prayer appointments, and even now there are people stationed around this room whose role it is to pray for you and I, for the worship team, and for God's will to be done. But then it struck me. The theme of this message isn't about prayer, it's about growing in prayer. Because the reality is that we can never ever pray too much. Prayer is a relationship in which we can all learn and grow. It's a relationship with the living God. And so before we even dig in, I want to posit a question to you, and I want to invite you to be pondering and praying through this question as we walk through the word this morning. Are you ready for the question? Great. So the, I'm a teacher by nature. This is what I used to do. So I appreciate that. All right. So the question is this. How might the Lord be inviting you all, each one, to grow up into prayerfulness? How might the Lord be calling you personally to grow up into prayerfulness? And so without any more opening statements, let's dig into the word. We're going to start um, in the book of Luke, chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 12 to 16. 
That's on page 1600 on your seat Bibles. We're going to start here, um, but we're going to be going all over the Bible because the Bible has a lot to say (laughs) about prayer. So Luke 5, starting at verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy, and that's a skin disorder and disease. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and he begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet, The news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, and he prayed. This is the word of the Lord. All right, so I'm going to start with one more question. Is anyone here coming in after a super busy week? Yeah. One of those weeks where it just seems there's not enough hours in any day. Too many things have made their way onto the schedule, and then there's all the unexpected things, right? One of those weeks where maybe you called for pizza delivery a few more times than you want to admit. (laughs) Or you wore the same outfit twice because there wasn't time for laundry or more choices. Has anybody been there? All right. I've been there. I've definitely felt that blur of busyness where there's just so many demands in a day that you don't even know when it's going to end. That feeling where life is moving so quickly that you can't seem to catch up. You know, in those moments of high demand and busyness, I'm not always very good at pausing to pray. But it is a natural instinct for Jesus. See, Jesus, in our text for this morning, is just starting his ministry. We're at the beginning of Luke. He's a young preacher, miracle worker yet. He's only called his first few disciples. He doesn't even have 12 of them nailed down yet. And he's done a couple miracles, but things have been pretty slow up until this point. But they're really starting to pick up steam in our text for this morning. So one day Jesus is in a town. That means he's there to meet with people and to preach. And this man with leprosy comes to him and falls flat on his face and says, Master, Lord, you can heal me. If you're willing, see, this, this leper knows who Jesus is somehow. He calls him Lord, and he has faith to believe that Jesus can heal him. 
And so Jesus reaches out and touches this unclean man that no one's supposed to touch. And the man is healed. Now it's clear that many already are learning who Jesus is. They've heard rumors about this man who does miraculous things. See, Jesus no longer has to look for crowds. They're starting to come to him. But many in the crowd are not there to follow Jesus' teaching or to give God glory. They're there because they want something for themselves. They're not there to seek the Messiah. They're there to seek the miracles. And so after this man is healed, Jesus says, don't stir up the crowds unnecessarily. Just go to the temple as a testimony. Go to the priest. See, in Old Testament Jewish culture, when a person had leprosy, the local priest would go visit them and deem them to be unclean. And this would mean that they would need to be separated from their family and society. It was only when they were completely healed, which almost never happened, that they would go to the priest and show that all of their sores were gone, and the priest would deem them clean again, which would allow them access back into society. Priests in Jesus' day had developed a list of signs that they assumed would accompany the coming of the Messiah, and one of those signs was healing of leprosy. Certainly if people are being healed of leprosy, the Messiah has come. And so basically Jesus is saying to this man, don't stir up the crowds who don't even want to know the truth. Go to the priests so that the priest will know that the Messiah has come. Now whether the leper followed Jesus' instruction or not, the crowds began to arrive in droves. People brought the blind and the deaf and the sick and the lame and they gathered around him just like they gathered around those healing pools in Bethesda. Some of them wanted to know Jesus, and some of them just want to be healed. I was a young pastor. I can see this. This is the dream. I mean, people, people are coming to you, and your miracles are being poured out. It would have been totally logical for Jesus to preach and teach and do miracles for days as the crowds continued to multiply. But instead of getting swept away by the demanding crowd... Luke notes that Jesus does something that's actually really bizarre. He says Jesus withdrew to lonely places and he prays. Now, not only in this particular case, on this particular day, but Luke uses the word often. This is a habit of Jesus. He often moves back from the crowd and the busyness, and he goes away and pauses to pray. Why? Why would God incarnate pray? This isn't the first or the last time that we see Jesus praying as you walk through the Gospels. In fact, Luke isn't kidding when he says that Jesus does this often. At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, when he's baptized, Luke writes in Luke 3.21, When all the people were being baptized, so John the Baptist is baptizing everybody, Jesus is baptized too. And in this context, Jesus starts praying. Again, bizarre, right? But it says, as he was praying, heaven was opened up. And the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in bodily form like a dove. And a voice from heaven came saying, you are my son whom I love. And in you I am well pleased. So it seems prayer somehow prompted the heavens to open. 
Prayer had something to do with the voice of God being spoken over his son and over his people. Jesus' prayer made space for God to speak. Mark 2 in his gospel notes the habit of Jesus to push pause for prayer early on in his ministry, where Mark notes in his very first chapter that early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So Simon and the disciples get up and they look around and they can't find Jesus. So they go looking for Jesus and they say, Jesus, where have you been? And Jesus says, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. Because that is why I have come. So it seems that prayer is important enough to Jesus to miss sleepover. It's worthy of the first fruits of the day before the sun even comes up. And that there's some correlation between Jesus' prayer time and his understanding of his purpose on this earth. This is what I came here to do. Later on, when it comes time for Jesus to choose his disciples in Luke 6, chapter 12, this was really interesting to me. I'd never noticed this one before. Luke notes that Jesus spends an entire night praying to God on a mountainside before he makes his selections. He says, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. And when the morning came, he called his disciples. There were many people following him, and he chose a specific 12. Jesus did not even choose his disciples without an entire night of prayer. Again, he's willing to forego sleep in order to pray. And his prayer has helped him to make some very crucial decisions. These are decisions that would shape the rest of history. It would produce things like Peter, the rock on which this very church was built. This prayer would produce things like Judas, who would betray Jesus, would precede the crucifixion of Jesus, and would result in the redemption of the entire world. Jesus' prayer equipped him to make decisions that would usher in God's plans and purposes for the world. These are decisions made in prayer. And Luke and Mark aren't the only gospel writers who talk about this habit of pushing pause to pray. Just before that famous story of Jesus walking out on the water to meet his disciples, you know this one? He goes and walks out in the water in the morning to meet them in the middle of the sea. He goes there and he speaks to them about faith. And that's thinking in doubt. Matthew notes that just before this moment, Jesus went off alone. And he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. And shortly before dawn, Jesus left his prayer and went out to them walking on the lake. So here we have some kind of connection happening between prayer and miracles. Some kind of connection happening between prayer and the methods that Jesus uses to stir the faith. Of his followers. Jesus' prayer and his time with the Lord equipped him to do the miraculous, and it equipped him to strengthen the disciples' faith. Now, at some point in his ministry, we see that Jesus starts taking his disciples with him to pray. It starts to note that he'll be praying while the disciples are with him. 
See, Jesus is welcoming his disciples to witness his inner prayer life. The man who is both God and who is seeking God in prayer brings his disciples with him. We see Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before he's to stand trial and eventually be crucified. A prayer in which Jesus himself submits his will to God's own and is strengthened to withstand immeasurable suffering. It seems Jesus' motivation in prayer is always to seek the will of God and always to bring glory to God. We see Jesus instructing his disciples to pray for their enemies, to pray in order to withstand temptation, to pray when they stand in need of anything, to pray fervently in order to cast out resistant demons, to gather together and pray in agreement, to pray for workers in God's harvest, to pray persistently and to pray for strength. And just before he's arrested, John records in in chapter 17 that Jesus prays fervently that he would be glorified. Jesus prays for his disciples that they would be protected, that they'd receive his fullness of joy, and that they'd remain in unity and be sanctified by truth. And finally... Jesus prays for all believers. Do you know that? There's a, there's a piece in the Bible where Jesus literally prays for all believers. That's you and for, and for me. And Jesus prays that we too would remain in unity. That we would bear the glory given through him. That we would know the love of God. And that we would continue to make God known to the whole world. Jesus prayed us in. Prayer is connected to God's glory made manifest. It's connected to protection. It's connected to fullness of joy. Prayer is the source of unity and the revelation of truth. It's the place where truth brings out sanctification. Prayer is where we're aware of our connection to God and his love, and prayer is the key to the expansion of God's kingdom. Prayer is not just the source of all of God's benefits. It's the platform for intimate relationship with God himself. Nothing stops Jesus from praying. Jesus doesn't avoid prayer when he's too busy. He doesn't avoid prayer when he's afraid. He doesn't avoid it when he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't avoid it for anything. Whenever Jesus stands in need of something... He turns to prayer. So this all brings us back to our original question. Why would Jesus, God himself, need to pray? Now some might argue that Jesus was divine and so he only prayed in order to model for his followers what a life of prayer would look like. But I think there's a lot more to it. I think that the simple reality is that while Jesus was fully divine, he was also fully human like you and I. And as a human, Jesus needed To pray. Jesus. He needed to pray. Jesus needed to pray in order to receive guidance when he didn't know what to do. He needed prayer for comfort when he was afraid and when people were turning against him. He needed prayer for peace to face a cross. He needed prayer for empowerment to perform miracles. He needed prayer for restoration of his strength and his joy even when he would give up sleep 
just to be with God. He needed prayer to know what to do and to hear from his Papa in heaven. Jesus needed prayer to share his fears and his frustrations. And Jesus needed prayer in order to maintain that vital relationship with his Father in heaven. Jesus prayed because he needed to. Jesus prayed because prayer actually impacts reality. Every testimony that was shared this morning, do you notice, started with prayer. I talked to Ron before he shared his testimony. He said before he and Jody went in that courtroom, they said, Lord, we got to pray. And they sat and prayed. Prayer actually impacts reality. It's not just for healing prayer ministers or prayer people. It's not just for leaders or intercessors. It's not just for those extra spiritual people or morning people. I used to think prayer was for morning people. You know? It's, it's not just for people who have spare time. Prayer is for each one of us. It is God's good gift. It is his invitation into intimate relationship and co-laborship with him. Prayer is God's invitation to live in and stand on his promises and to cooperate with his plans and purposes. Prayer is God's lifeline to the world through us. As Mother Teresa said, God shapes the very world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be and the mightier the forces against evil. Here at Gold Avenue Church, our vision is to see the love of God change our hearts and our neighborhood and the world. And that is why we pray. Because it is only prayer that does that. We want to see each member here growing as a disciple of Jesus Christ. We want to see our neighbors encountering the love of God and his peace and his joy and his good plans and purposes. We want to see God's Holy Spirit poured out over our world. His kingdom come and revival across the globe. And prayer was the fuel for Jesus' ministry. So too it is for ours. And so I want to ask us all again. How might the Lord be inviting us to grow up into prayerfulness? As I was preparing for this sermon, I did what most people do and I got distracted by Facebook. (laughs) These are my confessions. Um, But I happened across a testimony of a person who I know has been asking the Lord to help her grow up in prayer. And he has done a mighty work in growing her up in prayer. And so, Lindsay, would you come forward to share your testimony of how the Lord has been growing you in prayer this week? Great. Some people may have already seen this through the interwebs of Facebook. Um, but just even a little backstory. Um, I, uh, growing up, really delighted in prayer. Um, that was something I saw modeled in our family and Um, Even through high school, I went to a public school, and it was like, you know, I wanted to start prayer groups and was, you know, the the flagpole that we would meet at and we would pray around. So, like, prayer has just been an active practice that I've, um, and as I moved into this neighborhood about 10 years ago, was like that person, like, walking around the neighborhood talking to the Lord, you know, just delighting in that fellowship and intimacy with the Lord. But admittedly, having um, three kids, now six, four, and two, um, 
having regular rhythms of just talking with the Lord has honestly felt difficult. Like I, there's other voices that are around, and so where I used to have the mental capacity to to be able to listen and to talk, now there's other little voices, and they're beautiful voices. But I've、um, admittedly struggled to feel like, Lord, I want to spend this time with you. I want to hear from you. Um, what does what does that look like? And、um, I've been, I, as I mentioned during testimony time two weeks ago, have joined a, a little prayer of prayer group of moms at Potter's House School, and just already sense like this is just a little moment to start to continue to rebuild.、Um, plus, even getting up early in the morning, our kids wake up around six thirty, and so I'm having to be diligent even to be up before. Around six o'clock, if I'm going to prioritize、um, that time with the Lord.、Um, but I found myself particularly strengthened、um, on Friday after I had my prayer time with the moms.、Um, I went over to kill some time as my daughter、um, had preschool, and I went to the at-home store in Jenison, which is like the size of Meyer, but all of the trinkety things that you would put in your house. And、um, I had my little two-year-old with me, who is quite active. And、um, I literally was making my way through every aisle because I'm just kind of wandering, and she was getting antsy, and I didn't have any food. And so, as any、um, smart mom does in that moment, she reached into my purse and grabbed my key,、uh, my only key, my car key. And even in the moment when I handed it to her, I thought, "This is silly. Why would you hand?" Like I, it was like I was like looking at coasters. And then it was like, okay, I'm looking at coasters. Here's my key.、Oh, uh, and it's like, what am I even doing right now?、Um, so I, I gave her my key, and I finished.、Um, I finished my errands, and I had 15, 20 minutes to get、uh, about 15 minutes away to go pick up Ember from school. And I get into the van, and I get into my purse to go grab my key. No key. <laughs> Uh, so I feel daunted at this moment to enter back into the at-home store and to talk with the cashier and say, "Has anyone turned a key?" And I'm starting to kind of feel that panic that goes,、um, "We only have one vehicle. My husband's at work. I, I'm not sure logistically how this is going to happen, and my daughter needs to be picked up within 20 minutes."、Um, so I start to make the phone calls to the school secretary. I can't get a hold of my husband, and you know that just initial panic starts to kind of. Starts to hasten, but I remember that ten years ago when Andrew and I were dating, the same thing happened. This is like a, a learning moment for me. Apparently, what you do with your key or what not to do when you're shopping. But、um, <laughs> note to self. And so, as again, when you kind of start to feel that sense of I'm starting to get panicky, and I'm making these phone calls to arrange,、um, and I'm not going to be there to pick up my daughter. And all of a sudden, I just kind of felt like Lindsay. Like even just that voice that said, "Do you remember what I did before?" Pause. I know where your keys are at. Pray. And so I just stopped making the phone calls, and I just said, "Lord, you know where my keys are." And Lord, I ask that you would bring my key to the light.、Um, And so, as I'm on the phone, eventually I get a hold of Andrew, and there's a gentleman who I hadn't even talked to, and I'm in the middle of the store because I'm kind of pacing through all the aisles. At this point, I don't know if she's chucked it somewhere. I don't know where. I, I just this is a tiny key in a very large store.、Um, and as I'm standing there making that phone call, a store manager says, "Are you the one that's lost a set of keys?" Um, someone just turned in a set of keys, and in my mind, I thought, I don't even have a set of keys. I have one key. Like, how could they find this tiny key? So I walk up to the cash register, and the woman says, "Is this your key?" 
Yes, it is. <laughs> and I just knew in that moment, because I can be quite exuberant, but I just had to declare the goodness of God. I said, God is good. <laughs> and she just looked at me. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and so I just, and by that point, it had been five minutes. What felt kind of like when you've lost something, it feels like has half an hour gone by. You feel five minutes had gone by. I was able to get to my daughter without being late, um, without interrupting my husband's day. But as I walked to the car, um, I just felt a prompt from the Lord where he didn't just say, Lindsay, see what I can do through prayer. But he said, Lindsay, don't stop praying for miracles. And I don't know what he's calling me to, um, because I even felt like this was a miracle. But Lord, I don't know what's coming beyond this. Um, But I felt something in my spirit go, Lindsay, this is the beginning of something. And I'm going to continue to call you to pray uh, for miracles. Um, I can't say I've heard that prompt before, but I felt myself strengthened and uh, faith being built up. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Strengthened to grow in praying for miracles. So I don't don't know how the Lord has been answering that question of how is he asking you to grow um, or if he's even given an answer yet, but I'm certain he has an answer for each one. And so we're going to close in prayer, and I'm going to pray to that end. Um, And then we're going to sing a song, and just a short note on that. The song, the words are familiar if you know the Lord's Prayer. And as you pray those words, just think about Jesus' perspective in teaching us to pray this way. Our Father, who are in heaven... Your will be done, and you provide, and let the words just strengthen you as you consider how you're called to grow in prayer. And so, church family, let's go before the God of miracles in prayer. Father, we bless you that your word says that you love to give good gifts to your children. And we bless you that you would choose to cooperate with us and to call us to pray for your will to be done. Lord, and we bless you that you want to be in intimate relationship with us, that you want to hear us, and that you want to speak to us. And so, Lord, as we um, sit in your presence and as we ponder prayer, would you help us all to hear your still, small voice? Lord, would you speak to us about how you would have us grow in prayer? And what you would have each one of us pray for. Lord, bless us with faith to pray as you lead. And with boldness to trust that when we ask, we receive. In Jesus' name, amen.